Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. One, two, three, break! Down the middle of the field, it is caught! Loose football! Who's got it? Down at the one-yard line! How about that? That is the ultimate kibosh. (laughs) (laughs) And we are underway! Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Action Network NFL Podcast. It is the Week 15 Wednesday show. I'm Matthew Friedman, the Editor-in-Chief of Fantasy Labs. If you want a recap of what happened in Week 14, listen to the Monday show with Chris Raybon and Ian Harditz. Ian is here on this show as well, along with Peter Jennings and Sean Corner. Ian is the Director of the Fantasy Labs NFL Platform and an Action Network NFL Analyst. Peter is a Fantasy Labs co-founder and two-time DFS world champion. And Sean is the Action Network Director of Predictive Analytics and the number one in-season Fantasy Pros ranker for each of the past three seasons. You can follow them in the Action Network app at iHeartIt's CSU Ram 88 and the underscore odds maker. Use the app, of course, to get real-time NFL odds and to track your bets. Gentlemen, it is the giving time of year, so very soon we're going to give some free Action Network subscriptions to listeners. If you want a shot at the free subscription, follow me, Pete, Sean, Ian, and Chris Rabon in the Action Network app, rate and review the podcast on iTunes, and then send screenshots of the follows and review to podcast at actionnetwork.com. That's the plural podcast at actionnetwork.com. And then listen to future shows to hear if you are the lucky recipient of an Action Network subscription, which of course will give you access to all of our content, including our weekly fantasy rankings, which you can find at actionnetwork.com slash fantasy. Okay, enough of my dulcet tones. Let's get into the episode. We're going to look at the guys who right now are popping in our models. We're going to think about some players we might want to fade, some games or teams we might want to stack, and we're going to make some suitable predictions and picks and, of course, prop bets. This week, there's a great Thursday night game, Chargers at Chiefs, and then we have the two Saturday games, so that leaves us with an 11-game main slate. Let's start looking at the guys on the slate, and let's start at quarterback. Ian, right now, there are a lot of guys popping in our, our pro models. Out of these guys, there's Ben Roethlisberger near the top, uh, there's Matt Ryan in the middle range. You have Kirk Cousins, Trubisky, Lamar Jackson, Tom Brady, even Winston. And then very cheap, you have Jeff Driscoll going against the Oakland Raiders. I don't know if anyone's bold enough to start him, but any of those guys catch your eye or is there anyone else on the slate right now that you are thinking you would want to have in a cash game lineup? 
Yeah, the one guy I'm zeroing in on right now is uh, Lamar Jackson. We just got word about 20 minutes ago that, yes, Jackson is now finally the quarterback in Baltimore. Joe Flacco will be backing him up this Sunday, even though his hip is healthy. I feel like the rushing we've seen from Lamar Jackson is actually sustainable, unlike the rushing we've seen from Josh Allen. PFF Steve uh, Palazzolo, sorry if I messed that up, had an awesome stat this week. Basically, only 18% of Josh Allen's rushing yards have called design runs this year compared to 89% for Lamar Jackson. So he really has been almost their rushing offense uh, since he's come back, especially with Kenneth Dixon kind of working into Gus Edwards' workload now. So, I mean, look, over these last four starts that Jackson has had, he has the ninth most fantasy points from only rushing production. So he's literally basically an RB1, and any passing production he gets uh, is just the icing on the cake. So I'm riding with Lamar Jackson as long as he's got the workload of an RB1. Sean, any thoughts on Lamar Jackson, uh, kind of where he's standing in our models? Yeah, that's the guy I have right now, too. Um, you know, I just want to point out that the QB is position is really thin this week. You know, considering there's no teams on a bye, we still don't have guys like Mahomes, Breeze, Cam, or Goff on the slate. And, you know, a lot of the expensive guys, I you know, I have problems with almost every one of them. So I've been looking at the cheaper guys. And, you know, as Ian mentioned, I think Lamar Jackson's probably the safest bet. Um, and you could save a little money, but with his rushing capability, he has such a high floor and he, you know, he faces the Buccaneers defense this week. So he just checks all the boxes for me early in the week. So he's basically the only guy I'm keying in for, for cash right now, but you know, for GBPs, it's, it's going to be pretty spread out this week at QB. Yeah. And, uh, Evan Silva had, had tweeted this out and I think some other people had also noted it that the, uh, the bucks and, and there might be some flukiness in this, but, uh, they are significantly better at home as a defense versus on the road this year. And so it's a just kind of amplified spot for Jackson playing at home against this defense. So they already have problems. And then on the road that can be amplified. Pete, do you have any interest in Lamar Jackson or any of the other quarterbacks like Ben Roethlisberger at home? That kind of tends to be a good spot for him. But, you know, he is expensive. He is coming off of an injury. So, you know, there's some uncertainty there. But uh, any thoughts on these guys? Yeah, I love Lamar Jackson, too. It sounds like you guys aren't concerned about Flacco really coming in as much as uh, what's been quoted, which I know is is, is different. But uh, we'll see. That's the, the one risk. I do think the rushing is absolutely there. Uh, I'm on Dak Prescott as well. I think he makes a lot of sense going into Colts. I mean, since uh, acquiring Amari Cooper, Zeke, Dak, and Amari have all been going off. So I think that's sustainable, especially indoors against the Colts. And yeah, I mean, after that, it gets really thin, like Sean mentioned. So that's kind of where my head's at. Uh, I do think it's a pretty marginal week considering uh, we have all these teams, but a lot of quarterbacks that we want to play are in bad spots. And obviously we have some great quarterbacks, not on the main slate. Yeah, it's a, a situation with the the two Saturday games makes it feel as if it's a bye week. And then we do have the good quarterbacks playing in the the island games. So um yeah, just a kind of tougher slate at the position. Let's look at uh, at running back. And Pete, you mentioned Zeke there. He's someone who obviously is standing out at the top of our models at the running back position. Good matchup going against Indianapolis, of course, on the road, not quite as good of a situation for him. Uh, and also, you know, uh, an underdog, not quite as good of a situation for him. But, you know, with Amari Cooper, that offense has been transformed and the splits that Zeke has with Amari Cooper versus without him, uh, they're just kind of unreal. So, still someone standing out in our models. Are you willing to pay up for him? Is, is he the guy that when you are spinning up, you're looking to invest in? Yeah, I do think Zeke is a, a great option. I mean, Levitan tweeted it out. He's been averaging over 29 DK points since the trade of Amari Cooper. An incredible amount of touches last week. The injury, uh, you know, he 
he did come back in, played 86 to 99 snaps. So I think he'll be totally fine, and, and I think he's the guy that you definitely want to prioritize paying up for on the main slate. Uh, outside of that, it gets a little thin. I mean, Barkley is obviously still a really nice option on the main slate, but he's more expensive than Zeke, so it's hard to justify doing that. I think my next favorite option is kind of in the mid-range. I like Joe Mixon quite a bit. Talented, talented player. Going against the Raiders this game has a lot of upside in terms of points scored and fancy goodness for a couple guys. So he's probably my next favorite play um, on the board at running back. But there's certainly an argument for a lot of other guys, too. I mean, I think Tevin Coleman's finally in the spot where he could do well, 4,200. Obviously, you still have Jalen Samuels. We'll see what happens with this Baltimore running back situation. They did say Kenneth Dixon should get more looks, but Gus Edwards is pretty cheap. So a lot of options that I kind of like, but I think the standout plays to me are Zeke and Mixon. Ian, do you have any thoughts on those guys? And then someone else who is standing out in our models in the middle range is David Johnson going against Atlanta. Obviously, uh, it's not it's not a good thought to invest in anyone in that Cardinals offense, but he does have the smash matchup going against Atlanta. So, you know, there could be some potential there. And he did, I believe, get 10 targets last week. So still involved heavily in the passing game. Yeah, it was quite the uh, David Johnson receiving line last week. 10 targets, 8 catches, and all of 12 yards. But, I mean, hey, he's going up against the Falcons this week, like you said. So, I mean, if David Johnson's going to get it together, it might as well be this week. And there is, I think, reason to believe we'll see those targets uh, continue to be elevated with uh, Christian Kirk out for the remainder of the season. Kind of same thing with uh, Larry Fitzgerald. But yeah, the thing with Zeke that I think is being a little bit overlooked is just how much more involved he's been in the receiving game this year. I mean, he already has more targets and receptions in 13 games this season than he did in his 25 games in 2016 through 2017 combined. So he is legit, like basically their number two receiver at this point behind Amari Cooper. And I mean, I think those types of players have been what's been standing out the most uh, kind of this entire season with your Christian McCaffrey's, these guys that are more or less wide receiver twos with, you know, also RB1 workloads. So I mean, Zeke and Saquon, you know, I haven't tried to make many rosters of jamming those guys in, but I just wonder if they kind of warrant that same discussion we were having with uh, David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell two years ago. Because, I mean, you take their just PPR points for game averages, and we're looking at two backs with pretty much the same usage, same production. So just something to think about if we can find kind of the cheap receivers. Because, uh, I mean, j- just those massive target rolls uh, to go along with the 20-plus rush attempts per game are just incredibly rare. So, Sean, two thoughts. One, what are you thinking about this running back group? And then is this a jam men type of situation? Like, are you comfortable jamming in two high-priced running backs like we used to in the good old days? Yeah, I, I haven't thought of that yet. I think this week it does make sense. Uh, I think wide receivers pretty um, – there's some good value there. So I, I'm not opposed to it. Right now I am leaning towards Zeke, though. He's just a little bit cheaper. And like Ian mentioned, you know, he's – you know, very involved, finally involved in the passing game. Like, you know, we all thought he would had 12 catches last week. So I'm not worried if they're slight underdogs anymore. I know you mentioned it, you know, with Zeke, we always wanted a positive game script, but if they get down, you know, I'm pretty confident they'll involve in the passing game. So I just love him this week at nine K India is yet to allow a hundred yard rusher this year. But if you, if you look at their game log, they've faced a lot of weak backfields. A lot of, a lot of them are like two to three running back by committees. So don't be fooled by that stat. That's not slowing my Zeke train this week. I'm going to have a bunch of Zeke. And then we mentioned Joe Mixon. He's just way too cheap this week at home against the Raiders. He had, I think, 30-plus touches last week. So I think he'll keep it going this week. I am a little worried, though, the, the, you know, the last few weeks of the season, they might try to get a look at Mark Walton, the rookie. So um, 
you know, I, I don't know if we're going to see too many 30 plus touches from Mixon going forward, but at home against the Raiders at 6,100, um, I'm getting him like 40% of my lineups this early in this week. All right, let's look at the wide receivers. The uh, guys popping in our models right now on the expensive side of everything, uh, Adam Thielen, Julio Jones. In the mid-range, we have Amari Cooper and T.Y. Hilton going against each other in the same game. And then the cheaper guys, we have Tyler Boyd, Kenny Galladay, and then kind of just a, a pure punt play, uh, Dante Moncrief, who will definitely not be sniffing any of my lineups. Any interest in in these guys, Ian? I think the guy that could have a blow-up week here is Adam Thielen. Uh, we're looking at a Vikings offense, just fired their OC. Hasn't ha- Nothing's been going well for them lately. So what better time than to get back to the guy that had one of the best starts of a season of NFL history? I mean, Stephon Diggs is going to stay involved. I think, you know, they're pretty much two number one receivers stuck in the same offense, similar to what uh, the Steelers are going through this year. But for Thielen this week, he just has an unbeatable matchup compared to Diggs. Xavier Howard, the Dolphins' number one cornerback, is week to week with a knee injury. Even if he comes back, we're looking at a worst-case scenario where Thielen's going to line up against rookie Minka Fitzpatrick in the slot, and that would require them to kind of make that move. Our best-case scenario is he sees Bobby McCain in the slot, who's PFF's number 91 overall cornerback out of 113 qualified guys. So definitely someone Thielen's more than capable of roasting. And I just think a player of his caliber, I mean, we've seen him down for a few weeks. I think a breakout's coming in a big way. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Sean, any thoughts on these receivers? The guy that sticks out like a sore thumb to me is T.Y. Hilton. Um, I have him projected right up there with all these, um, you know, 8K guys, and he's 6,800. You know, he's such a gamer. He's been playing through this nagging shoulder injury and just, you know, has put up four phenomenal weeks in a row. So, you know, I'm sticking with him this week at home against Dallas. So I'm going to have a ton of T.Y. Hilton. Another guy, well, I don't think anyone's going to mention these on any podcast. Hey, Sean, real quick, just to jump yeah. in, are you, you're not concerned about Byron Jones at all? Um, I think at this price, uh, usually later in the week, I start to really factor in the matchup. I think at this price, I'm going to have to bump him down a ton to not warrant 6,800. And, you know, you just have to put faith in, you know, the connection between Andrew Luck and T.Y. Hilton. I don't, I don't see him going to, you know, the secondary receivers as much. So, but that's a good point. That's, you know, later in the week, we'll see where he ends up. But I'm just thinking at this price, I'm going to have a ton of T.Y. I'm glad you asked that because I was, I was wondering the same thing. So it's this weird dichotomy where on the one hand, you have T.Y. Hilton at home as a favorite. It's like his smash spot. And then on the other hand, going against the Cowboys, whose defense uh, I think has really shown a lot this season. So it, I also ha- share that concern. But yeah, Sean, as you mentioned, he's just so cheap. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, when it comes to receiver, I definitely, you know, weigh the, the offensive player a little bit more. So it, it takes, you know, pretty – tough defensive matchup to really lower them down my model. But I was going to mention these Bills wide receivers. They're probably overlooked this week. Guys like Isaiah McKenzie, he's been getting some direct handoffs lately. So I think if LaShawn McCoy's out, you know, he's in a sneaky spot where he can get like five carries. But, you know, like I said, they're going to be really overlooked. So just some deep flyers are uh, McKenzie and um, Robert Foster. I think Zay Jones will be matched up against Darius Slay. So these guys are just, you know, super deep flyers that, you know, I think everybody's overlooking right now. Ian, you were going to say something. 
Yeah, real quick on the Byron Jones note, he's balling out this year, but still, I mean, they're, they more or less use him as Richard Sherman was used for Seattle all those years, which makes sense. Cowboys' main defensive coordinator now is Chris Richard, uh, the Seahawks' old defensive coordinator. But yeah, Byron's playing, I mean, 85% of his snaps basically as the defense's left cornerbacks. They should be able to more or less free up Hilton as they please. We have seen the last few weeks uh, kind of these high leverage third downs. Uh, Byron Jones, you know, he was on. Uh, Zach Ertz a little bit last game so you know maybe those third downs but even then I mean maybe they choose to put him on Ebron because it's a better size matchup for them so I'm not worried about it for the matchup for T.Y. and we've seen DeAndre Hopkins and Julio Jones go off against this very good Cowboys secondary but just one of those situations where if you aren't going to move the cornerbacks I think a really good coach like Frank Reich will, will be able to scheme his guys into some good spots yeah great stuff there and um Pete wide receivers what do you think I mean, Amari, you're, you're all in on Amari. Let's just say this. And on FanDuel, he's priced in move, which is just absolutely crazy. It's been unbelievable, man. I mean, finally, last week, finally, I uh, got some of the money back that I've lost. Still still down a couple houses, but, man, last week was awesome. I had about one of my best swaps ever where uh, I was down like 50 points and swapped off Samuels, Sutton, and Zeke to Juju, Amari Cooper, and Eckler, which uh, – I won by four points on the last Amari touchdown, which was great. So I'm uh, back on the Amari train to a degree. I think this is a great spot for him. Uh, and on FanDuel, I mean, 6600 for him. I just don't – I don't get why his price – I think his price went down. Went down 300 bucks. Yeah, that's unreal. I mean, it just – to add to this Amari Cooper thing, I mean, everyone knew he was super talented. You know, two straight 1,000-yard receiving seasons to enter the league – in 2017, it was just a, a negative situation all around with uh, Derek Carr playing through a debilitating back injury. But in his six games with the Cowboys, he's led the league in receiving yards and receiving touchdowns. And he's done it on 8.8 targets per game, which isn't like an inflated number of targets. Like he's he's been efficient with his opportunities. I've been amazed by how quickly he has integrated himself into this offense. It normally takes wide receivers even just kind of like in free agency, it normally takes them a long time to become like a fully functional part of their systems, much less a mid-season trade. So I think like what's happening with Amari is is pretty amazing. Uh, and as you mentioned, a good spot there. Any of the other wide receivers catch your eye, Pete? Yeah, there's a lot of receivers. I mean, I love the Thielen call. Um, I think, you know, he's someone that definitely is due for a, a really big game. You could say the same thing. About Diggs, uh, I think both those guys uh, have a really big opportunity to have great games. Julio should see a lot of Patrick Peterson, so I'm a little down on him. I know you're high on Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, hopefully Antonio Brown doesn't go off for your sake, Friedman. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, even Devontae Adams, he has a bad, you know, tough matchup. I still think he'll get a lot of opportunity. Uh, and that's also a weird spot for Chicago. I could see a letdown game for them after a huge win on prime time Sunday night versus the Rams. But yeah, there's a ton of guys going down the list. I mean, what do you guys think about players like D.D. Westbrook, Corey Davis, Dante Pettis, kind of in that mid-range uh, to bottom range who have uh, gotten a lot of roles? Pettis has a bad matchup, as does Corey Davis to a degree as well. But what are you guys' thoughts on them? Yeah, one quick thing I saw on Corey Davis that I thought was interesting was uh, he really hasn't had this overwhelming wide receiver one target share uh, we kind of grew used to recently. They got uh, Taiwan Taylor and Tajay Sharper out for a few weeks. Both of them have been back these last two weeks and in that span we've seen taylor actually lead the team with 12 targets davis has 10 sharps had 10 
I mean, I think Davis is still their number one wide receiver. I'm not trying to debate that, but it does seem like Mariota and that offense in general are kind of better off when he can distribute to a bunch of different options rather than just feed one guy. So uh, if Davis isn't getting those, I mean, eight to 10 targets per game, still a run first offense, uh, I'm probably going to be staying away here towards the end of the year. Sean, you have any thoughts on those guys? Yeah, I love Pettis. Like Pete mentioned, it is a tougher matchup, but you know he he should be their number one wide receiver the rest of the way. Ian, do we have a update on like uh, Odell Beckham's status? Because Sterling Shepard's sitting there around this price range, so if if he's ruled out again this week, I think Shepard's going to be pretty uh, chalky. Yeah, he started he started the week off with the DMP, so it's it's not looking good for OBJ. Gotcha. Yeah. So like, like I said, Shepard's sitting at 4,400. If Odell's ruled out again, you know, we're going to have to consider either fading him or just taking the free square. Cause I, I think he uh, scored a touchdown last week. I, I'm not sure on his yardage, but um, at 4,400, especially on this week could be pretty chalky. You guys like John Ross at 4k? John Ross. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm always interested in him. I hope he goes off. He had the most John Ross game ever last week. One catch for eight yards and a touchdown, right? I mean, I mean, we've seen the, this Raiders defense now. AB got shut down. Ty Freak got touched down and got shut down. And T.Y. Hilton got shut down. And in all those games, we saw, you know, Juju, Doyle, and Kelsey yeah. just go absolutely bonkers. Question is if Boyd, you know, is kind of that number one receiver or not. But I, I think he'll be the guy the Raiders look to take away first. And, I mean, good thing with Ross is it only takes one or two to kind of get that payoff. But, obviously, that floor and that offense is low. But we'll see. Yeah, no, I love I love that for like a GVP flyer. Love that call. Yeah, obviously stack him with Mixon and uh, Driscoll and win all of the money. Even CJ Uzoma, just just go for the onslaught. <laughs> Speaking of tight end, Eric Ebron is popping at the top of our models. And then in the mid-range, we have Austin Hooper and then cheaper guys, Uzoma, Rudolph, and Vernon Davis. And then just as a total pump play, Ricky Seals-Jones. Ian, how how confident are you in Eric Ebron going against the Dallas defense? Not very. I was uh, talking about this a little bit earlier, but I'm not sure how the Cowboys are going to defend this Colts team, but th- there is a scenario where I think they more or less take away Ebron here. I mean, we saw Ertz go for 14 catches, 145 yards, and two touchdowns in that first matchup against the Cowboys. Next time, they pretty much did everything in their power to take him away, and only had 38 scoreless yards. So I could see a scenario where they kind of sell out to stop Ebron if they consider him a Lux top option, but Oh, man, it, it's still tough to see kind of both Ebron and or Hilton getting uh, tied down. I, I think it's just a decision to make later in the week of if you want to kind of go more all in on Hilton or Ebron because I think one of those guys is going to have a pretty rough day. Yeah. Sean, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm still getting quite a bit of George Kittle. You know, not having Ertz or Kelsey does elevate the top guy's value a little bit. So, so I'm getting a ton of Kittle. And then Vernon Davis – as a cheaper option, you know, whenever Jordan reads yeah. out, you can't ignore Vernon Davis. Um, it's just tricky. You know, they have the fourth string QB starting this week. We don't really know what to expect. So I don't know if I'm going to trust them in cash. I might spend up for cash, but I'll definitely have a ton of Vernon and uh, GPPs, you know, and they're, they're facing the Jaguars. So I think with a fourth string QB, they'll probably lean on the tight end a little bit more. So uh, I do think this is a pretty good spot for Vernon. Pete, what do you think? Yeah, how can you not love Kittle? I mean, that was a ridiculous game, and he's just seeing so much opportunity. The matchup, I guess, is the reason not to love him. Eric Ebron going against these fast linebackers is another guy I'm definitely looking hard at, but the matchup is a concern. Uh, but his target share and volume is, is something that we definitely love. And in a game, I mean, 
we really don't have high totals on the main slate. Uh, this, I believe, is the second highest total right now here on Wednesday morning. So Ebron, to me, is another guy who stands out. But again, you have the matchup issue. Evan Ingram, I think I'll definitely look to. Uh, Ibodel Beckham is out. Uh, I think he certainly makes sense. I uh, did see five targets, which isn't great, but converted that into 77 yards. Also, I was encouraged to play Austin Hooper, but he's also dealing with an injury. So that's something to monitor. But yeah, for all the, the games on the main slate, there's pretty weak options at some of these positions and not the most enticing games overall, which is uh, the challenge of the week, I think. I think that leads us into the fade conversation. If there are any expensive players or, or guys we think might be popular that we would be fine with fading this week. Obviously, I'll just start this off by saying Antonio Brown. Clearly, this is – no, I'm just – honestly, I don't know. Brown, Brown's an interesting situation because at home, his smash spot will be hard to know how the, the Patriots are going to play uh, against the, the wide receivers there with Juju on the middle. But, Ian, any guys that you might be looking to fade? Set me up there, Freeman, because I'm going with Juju Smith-Schuster because I I think I do know how the Patriots could approach this situation based on how they covered the uh, Vikings, which, you know, just a similar situation where you got two pretty much wide receiver ones. And tentatively, I'm thinking that uh, Stephon Gilmore is going to be in shadow coverage with Antonio Brown and Jason McCourty, who they've been more willing to uh, use in the slot for a higher percentage of snaps. Him and uh, uh, safety coverage to kind of bracket Juju. I think it's going to be tough. And we've seen all season now, really last two seasons, Juju and AB don't have massive games together. They have a per our pro models. Their correlation in DraftKings points per game is minus 0.6. So they've only both gained 75 receiving yards in four games this season. One guy goes off, the other guy doesn't. It's not like the offense is playing bad. I mean, even in that terrible game AB had last week, Ben Roethlisberger was still like 25 for 29, 280 yards, two touchdowns. They're just... They're getting more yards. It's just a different guy. So I'm fading Juju, and I think this is a week where A.B. goes off. You hurt me to this wall <laughs> with that. No, I, I can definitely see that. I mean, I think we're going to probably do some props around this situation, so I don't, I don't want to say too much right now about my thoughts on this. But, uh, yeah, I can definitely see your perspective on that. Sean, what do you think? I am fading all QBs 6K or more this week and loading up on QBs under 6K this week. You know, just looking at – you know, all the top-end QBs, Russell Wilson's way too expensive this week. Big Ben, we talked about it. He has some health concerns. Andrew Luck has a tough matchup. Kirk Cousins just lost his offensive coordinator. Uh, Mitch Trubisky looked like crap. So, you know, when you have guys like Jameis Winston with a tough matchup or Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, just I think it's, it's wise to just kind of spread out on the cheaper guys this week and load up at the other positions. That's, that's kind of how I see this slate going. All right, Pete, what about you? Yeah, it's a, a tough thing. I mean, the Pittsburgh receivers are definitely interesting fades. Ben Roethlisberger too. I mean, coming off an injury, it's never ideal. Uh, I do think he's still a really nice play. Amari Cooper on FanDuel um, is going to be such chalk I and mean, he's kind of mid range price, but there's definitely merit to fading him considering his range of outcomes. Uh, I mean, he there's that huge tournament over there, and I think uh, he could be like 50-plus percent on. So at that ownership, I think he's a, a pretty easy fade. Uh, and then Julio Jones, I don't hate the idea of fading him if you're buying Patrick Peterson, being able to slow him down. But uh, And also, this could be a game where Atlanta just runs the ball and gets out to a big lead early. So that would be one other reason. But there's a lot of arguments for Julio, and obviously I love Amari this week. 
All right, so it's interesting. The game with the highest total on the slate, Pats at Steelers, but we haven't really talked about that as a game that we would really want to target. We've talked a little bit more about Cowboys at Colts. That's second on the slate with 47 points. Pete, are there other games besides those two that you would really be looking to to target to stack either one side or, or both sides together? Yeah, that's the hardest part about this week. I mean, we're just looking at a, a lower scoring uh, game environment across the board. We were talking a little pre-pod, and I definitely agree. I think the Raiders at Bengals with two bad defenses is the one that probably stands out the most. Uh, we've already seen some positive line movement there. I uh, definitely like that game quite a bit. Another spot that I don't hate the idea of stacking up would be Miami and Minnesota, just because I love some of the Minnesota guys. Kenny Stills coming off a big week. I guess you could go to him uh, running it back. But it's it's a weird, weird week uh, for game stacks, uh, which is normally my favorite strategy. There's games that are almost cross-offs right away, and the best environments are all off the main slate. You know, the Eagles, Rams, Saints, Panthers, and Chiefs, Chargers. Those games all have massive shootout potential and aren't on the main slate. So it's, it's tough, which will be interesting for tournaments. It's funny. I'm looking at the Vegas page that we have at Fantasy Labs, and it, it looks like, I don't know, it looks like 2016. With, with like the, the totals that we have there, you know, like you'd have one game that was maybe around 50, a little over 50, and then a lot of games around like 45 to 47. And, and that's really what we have on the main slate this week. So it just, it feels kind of like a throwback week in any game in particular, maybe outside of the two high scoring ones that you would be looking to target. I think Pete nailed it where we're kind of the top two. Uh, the Steelers, Patriots can have the f- fastest projected pace, highest total, and, you know, Cowboys, Colts, indoor. The only other game I can kind of get behind a little bit is this Buccaneers-Ravens uh, game. Obviously worried about James's, uh situation going on the road, facing one of the better defenses we'll see all year. But I mean, I'm assuming people are going to be all off of Chris Goblin after last week's dud. Uh, still think he's capable of maybe – putting some together. Mike Evans is a guy who's, you know, I think you, you can always have a little bit of exposure to regardless of the matchup. And then the other side of the ball, we at least know, you know, the offense is flowing through Lamar Jackson and, you know, he is going to be getting his massive rushing floor every single game, it seems like. So, but I mean, it's, it's going to be a slow pace there. And, and obviously Jameis has the potential to kind of ruin things for that uh, offense pretty quickly. So yeah, I, th- I think most exposure here, uh, Pittsburgh, New England and uh, Cowboys Colts. Sean, what do you think? Yeah, like we were talking before the pod, uh, I, I love this raiders Bengals matchup as a sneaky stack. Um, there's not really a great quarterback in this game, but like I mentioned earlier, this this week is so thin at quarterback. I don't think it's crazy to have like a Driscoll or Carr team. And, you know, like Ian mentioned, great call on someone like John Ross. You have Jared Cook. There's just like, you know, some cheaper mid-range guys here and then kind of spend up elsewhere and have you know fit in a couple studs maybe like we were talking about earlier having a Barkley Zeke team and then you kind of have a mini Raiders Bengals stack but you know both these defenses are terrible neither team really has much to play for so I think it get out of hand and uh, can be uh, pretty high scoring especially on a week where you know it's like you mentioned every game is about a 46 total so there's not much separating these um, and I just think this game has some sneaky shootout potential. All right, let's get to the uh, pseudo-bold call, non-obvious pick section of the show. Ian, let's start with you. Give us uh, one pick for a game and one pick for fantasy. I'll start off with the fantasy. So I was talking earlier about uh, AB and Juju's correlation being pretty terrible together at a minus uh, 0.6. Well, 
Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs correlation together is actually a positive plus uh, 0.2. So, you know, not a huge relationship, but we have seen Cousins when things are going right for the Vikings, you know, really feed it to those two guys. So my bold DFS call is both Thielen and Diggs get over 20 DraftKings points this week against that banged up Dolphins secondary. My bold uh, bet call will be the Raiders go into Cincinnati and get an outright victory. I laughed at Chris Raybon. I shouldn't have laughed because he was giving Derek Carr some props on our uh, last podcast. And hey, I mean, if you pull up his stats from this year and compare him to his alleged 2016 MVP candidate season, I don't think he should have enough for the award then. But if you just compare his stats, the Raiders are more or less getting the best Derek Carr they've ever gotten this year, believe it or not. So I, if that terrible defense can at least slow down Jeff Driscoll and company, I think uh, Carr and those guys have enough to uh, get it done against the league's worst scoring defense. So give me Diggs and Thielen, and I'll take the Raiders to win. All right, uh, Sean, what do you have? Uh, I, I'm sticking with this game, the Bengals Raiders. Um, I have this going way over the total and scoring 60 or more points. And for DFS, I'm sticking with my my QB theme. I think the top scoring QB on the main slate will be 5,200 or less. Nice, Pete. That's that's a, that's including Eli Manning, by the way, because I think. Like, I have a feeling there might be some situation where they announce, you know, they'll go with Lala for the rest of the season, and this could be, like, Eli's final game narrative. Mm-hmm. Do you guys think that's possible at all? Or I mean, playing better, though. That's the issue. I don't, I don't know. It could be, though. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I, I mean, it wouldn't be, like, Kobe Bryant last game era. I'm assuming he'll just dump it off to Barkley the whole game, but it could be an interesting angle if they do announce something like that. Pete, what do you got? I can't, I can't even go to Amari Cooper because it's not bold this week considering he's the chalk. So I'll move away from that. And I'll say uh, Tampa Bay shows up in a big way here uh, and gets a W. Like the Godwin call from Ian. Uh, I think he burned everyone last week. He comes in low-owned and wins someone the millionaire maker. Tampa Bay wins, a, wins this game behind Jameis and Godwin. Okay. For the game, the Giants are favored by two and a half at home. I don't think they're good enough to be laying points to any team not starting a backup quarterback. Uh, the Titans are coming off a big Thursday night win, so they have extra time to prepare for the game. They're still fighting for a playoff spot at seven and six. They're in a must-win game. The Giants really have little to nothing to play for. They're last in the league and past DVOA against number one wide receivers. I think the Titans win by double digits. And then my bold fantasy call. This is wild. Last week, we saw the Dolphins troll the Pats in getting two touchdowns to former Patriots special teamer Brandon Bolden. I think this week we see something similar with Stephen Ridley getting two goal line touchdowns in a hashtag revenge game. I'm sort of joking, but I actually might consider putting money on his touchdown prop, which brings us to the prop betting segment of the show in which the odds maker sets lines for us. Uh, Scott, the intern turned producers back in action. Shout out to Scott for the new baby. So we have updated standings for the season. Our guests continue to impress at 86 and 71. I am 85 and 66. Pete is 65 and 75. And the odds maker is 212 to 236. So sneaking back toward 500. I got to say, I've had two straight losing weeks. I'm not happy about it. I crushed in week 12. Sean crushed in week 13. We were all around 500 last season. Sean, this is my week. I'm telling like, get out of my way, or I will <laughs> stiff arm you like Derrick Henry. 
So, yeah, I mean, I, I made one prop specifically for you, so hopefully that helps. Um, <laughs> That's going to be the one I, I miss. Uh, so yeah, so just, just a reminder to everyone, Sean's projections, be sure to check them out in our Fantasy Labs models, as well as our props tools, which aggregate the player props from online sports books and then compares them to Sean's projections and uh, shows you which bets provide the most value. This season, the props with a bet quality of 10 have gone 212, 96, and 11, which is a hit rate of 66. Uh, so be sure to check out the props tool at Fantasy Labs for subscribers only. Sean, give us the props for this week. All right. So first up, um, Ian had some great points on it earlier, but um, it's been really tricky for me to project Josh Allen's rushing yards. So I'm going to have you guys help me sort that out. Right now I have his over-under at 50 and a half rushing yards. I love this under here. And yeah, like I was saying earlier, only 19% of his runs this year have been on design plays. So he's just scrambling around making plays, which, hey, it's, it's been working, obviously. We're seeing like Michael Vick-esque rushing <laughs> production, not even a joke. But look, th- this is just like the worst possible matchup. The Lions have allowed 62 rushing yards to quarterbacks all season. I mean, they run a ton of zone. Guys, you know, usually have their, uh, you know, eyes in the Lions scrimmage and it would be less of an issue if they were facing a guy like Lamar Jackson, who's more or less being used as a running back. But we've seen Dak go for two yards, Russell Wilson 15, Trubisky 18, Cam only had two against the Lions. So, hey, uh, Lions might have a terrible defense, but, man, can they stop that QB run? So, Ian, I have a, a question I want to ask you about this. So, I and the, the statistic you, you pointed out, I think it makes a lot of sense just in terms of, of Josh Allen as a passer. Like if his first read isn't there, he's just pulling the ball down and running. Um, do you think that he's going to still do that in this game? Like he's going to have a similar number of rushing attempts as we've seen, but he's just going to do it with much less effectiveness because of the zone that the Lions play? Or do you think because the Lions play more of a zone, he's just not going to run the ball as frequently as, as he has in the past few games? Yeah, I don't think he's going to be running it as frequently because I think the rushing lanes that are usually there for him are going to be occupied with defenders. So, yeah, that should open up, you know, ideally more downfield opportunities. I'm, I'm kind of in the impression that this is a kind of – it's going to – this game isn't going to go very well for the Bills. I think their offense is going to have a hard time moving the ball without Allen's rushing ability, and I don't think he's uh, disciplined enough to kind of consistently uh, win passing the ball. So, uh, I'm not going to have much exposure to the Bills offense at all this week. Yeah. <sighs> this is a hard one for me. Uh, I'm going. I'm going to take the over, and I know I'm being the donkey by taking the over. Um, I just think since he's returned, it, like there's just been a switch that's kind of like flipped in his head. Of like, if if his read isn't there, he's just taking off and running and kind of doing his best Cam Newton impersonation. I don't know. I know it's not a good matchup for him to do that, but uh, I don't know. I think he's just just going to like run probably ten to thirteen times this game. And I think that gives him a really good chance of going over. Well, and under. Got to make up some ground on Friedman. <laughs> I, I know I'm taking the donkey side on this. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see what, like, Bovada throws up. Uh, I think it'll be close. So next up, uh, Kirk Cousins uh, just had his OC fired after that just dreadful performance on Monday Night Football. I'm curious to see or hear what you guys think, how he's going to do this week uh, at home against the Dolphins. Right now I have his... Over under passing yards at two seventy five and a half. Over. Yeah, I like the over there. I, I do think there are a few pauses for concern. Just I mean, he's kind of had agnostic home away splits throughout his career, so I wouldn't say going back to the dome is necessarily a great thing for him. But yeah, I, th- I think just having this new OC, they're still in the playoff hunt. I mean, they're gonna try to kick it in the gear. So I'll take the over. 
Sean, what was that line again? 275? Yeah. I think it's pretty good. Um, I'm going to take the under. All right. Uh, next up, uh, Josh Johnson, total DK points at Jacksonville. Over under 13 and a half. Over. He can run. Yeah, I'm taking over too. I'm taking the under. We saw him running some garbage time against a <laughs> bad Giants defense. I mean, I know the Jaguars shouldn't have our benefit of the doubt at this point either, but man, I mean, the guy's done 16 passes since 2011. I mean, I, I, I got to take the under no matter what it is. Yeah, 25 DK points in like Ooh. just under a half. <laughs> Nuts. He was a good running quarterback you know, like back in the day, like 2009, 2011. And then in college at uh, San Diego State, I believe. No, San Diego. It was just San Diego. But uh, like under John Harbaugh, he was a, a good running quarterback in college. So like, I, I think that's just kind of like his style of game. Next up, running back, Derrick Henry, total rushing yards at the Giants. Um, over under 64 and a half. I'll go under and say he doesn't have his second best game of the season. <laughs> I'll go under too. I like that call. Okay. Uh, I will. I'll take the under. Next up, Jalen Samuels. Uh, assuming Connor is out again this week, obviously. Total rush plus receiving yards versus the Patriots. Over under 82.5. Oh, I was hoping you throw out a low number. I'll take the under. I'll take the over here just because I, I think there's a scenario where Samuels and maybe Vance McDonald wind up kind of getting a bunch of opportunities to eat in the middle of the field. If, I mean, if uh, New England's able to take away these two receivers, pretty freaking hard to do, but Samuels and Vance would be the you know next guys up to eat those targets. And we did see Dalvin Cook and Aldrick Robinson, I think, go for 10 and 9 targets when the Vikings and Patriots play. So I'll, I'll take the over. Yeah, I wanted to take the over. I thought you'd throw out a little lower number. I think the Patriots' biggest weakness on defense is they're so slow uh, in the middle of the field, especially at linebacker, which really sets up uh, well for Samuels. Um, I'll still take the over, but I, that's a aggressive line. <laughs> uh, all right, so th- I think this question is very important for cash games this week, but um, who do you think will score more DK points, Saquon Barkley or Zeke Elliott? That's tough. I have them pretty much tied at the yeah. moment. I'm going to go with Saquon just because I think uh, Beckham seems to be still banged up. And, I mean, we saw Saquon get 14 carries and five targets last week and 31 snaps. He didn't even play 50% of the snaps because they were up so much. And, I mean, after that whole situation, I thought kind of the you know Sterling Shepard's kind of number one now. But the biggest thing from OBJ not being there, I think, is they're going to feed Barkley as much as humanly possible. So uh, I think the Titans will be able to keep this one a little bit closer than Mark Sanchez and the Redskins could. So four quarters of Barkley as the, the, the man, I will take him. I'm going to go with that as well. I think he has a higher ceiling, maybe even slightly higher floor. And in the end, he's a home favorite, whereas Zeke is a road dog. Yeah, I have to go with Saquon, too. I mean, he's more expensive. I think Zeke's a better value. I think they're going to end up with almost identical props and projections. But give me Saquon at home. With the PPR scoring, he's still, even though Elliott's getting more involved, he should see a lot of opportunity. So I'll take Saquon. All right, this one's for you, Friedman. I was going to have a line on this, but I actually, as of right now, I have them having the same yardage prop. So who will have more receiving yards this week, Antonio Brown or Juju Smith-Schuster? 
This is annoying because I was hoping that you were going to skew this towards Juju and I could take Antonio at, at yeah. plus yards. Uh, when I wrote that, I, I had, you know, Brown with like four more receiving yards, but as of right now, I have them both at 82. So it's a pick them. I'm going to go contrary and say Beckham or, or say uh, Antonio Brown. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, that's, I'm going to do it as well. I actually, I don't even think that, I mean, I don't know if that's contrarian or not. I, I know Juju obviously has more yards for the season, but I, I actually think that based on how they have covered really strong slot receivers in the past, they are going to look to take away Juju and like kind of like from a game theory perspective, like it's always hard to know how Belichick is going to game plan, but I could see them doing a thing where it's like, we're going to take away everyone else except Antonio Brown and hope that Gilmore is good enough to beat him on a few plays. So I don't know. I, I, I will go with Antonio. I think it's a good spot for him. Yeah, I'm going with AB as well. I mentioned uh, earlier, I'm, I'll be f- kind of fading Juju this week. Just think uh, he could kind of just, just get schemed out of the game potentially. But as Freeman said, I mean, always kind of a, always a difficult task to kind of predict what a uh, Bill Belichick those guys are going to do. I will say that, I mean, I think at this point we can easily call Juju Smith-Schuster the best, I mean, second best receiver AB has ever played with. It was more or less a running back, Le'Veon Bell, for these last uh, three or four years. Even without that, we have seen AB kind of consistently produce against the Patriots. He's gone, you know, 133 yards and a touchdown, 106 yards uh, and 77 yards last uh, kind of three full appearances against them. So even when AB was the only guy in the offense for Belichick to deal with, he was still able to have moderate success. So I'll, I'll say this week that moderate success is huge success and go with AB. All right. Next up, uh, Kenny Galladay. Um, I, I keep waiting for him to break out, and he just keeps getting worse. Granted, he did, um, you know, have to go up against Patrick Peterson last week, but still, two catches for five yards and no touchdowns. Um, I really don't know what to do with him this week at Buffalo. I don't know if it's really Stafford's fault, but right now I have his over under at sixty and a half receiving yards. I will take the under. I wrote down 60 in my notes then. I'm taking the I'm taking the over here. I was off on this last week, but Galladay only ended up running about uh, 60% of his routes on Peterson. I think the bigger problem was that Stafford had the fourth fewest pass attempts of his career last week. I mean, just pretty much the worst possible game flow to go with that matchup. I mean, I, this week's matchup really isn't all that much easier. As you can see, Tredavious White, uh, one of the best young cornerbacks in the league on, you know, potentially even more than 60% of his routes. But I, I just think I mean, Galladay still is the clear-cut number one receiver in that offense. Now Bruce Ellington is even more banged up. I think he's got the talent to uh, not have that terrible of a game in two consecutive weeks. So I'll take the over. Pete? Man, I'll take under. I've wanted him to just go off. It's a tough matchup, but I love Galladay. Higher being the median and just a brutal matchup unfortunately i mean like we've talked before about how buffalo's defense is really good but like tredavious white like he had a really good rookie year last year and i don't think he got the credit he kind of deserved for it because he was overshadowed by marshawn Lattimore, who had just like a phenomenal uh rookie season as a cornerback in in new orleans but uh yeah i mean i think tredavious white has kind of you know he's like proven himself once again in a sophomore campaign like he's he's a very good corner I mean, I don't know if like we can call him yet like a shutdown type of corner, but he has a lot of potential. Like I think it's on the way there for him. All right. So moving on to tight end, George Kittle uh, at home against Seattle over under 73 and a half receiving yards. Over. 
Yeah, I'll take the over. I think I was a little worried last week about him and Pettis with Marquise Goodwin coming back from his uh, personal leave. But, I mean, it makes sense that Goodwin probably just elevates the whole offense and helps all these guys. I mean, he's got, you know, legit field stretching speed on the outside. Obviously, Kittle and Pettis are working a lot inside underneath stuff. So, we can see a pretty uh, potent 49ers passing offense these uh, last few weeks, apparently. We know uh, Kyle Shanahan isn't taking his foot off the gas. So, uh, I'll take the over here. Take the over. It's an easy one for me too. Sean, random question. Definitely be the under. Random question. If you had to um, power rank like mm-hmm. tight ends right now, where would Kittle rank for you? In you know, in terms of fantasy, just in terms of like overall kind of like ability as an NFL tight end. You know, like I think Kelsey's probably number one. Kittle might be number two for me. Yeah, over Ertz. I could yeah. I wouldn't argue with that, but I'd probably I'd probably have Kittle third right uh-huh. now. Yeah. But yeah, he's he's definitely top three. So the there's a trio of tight ends just under Kittle that I think we need to pay attention to this week. So I have a total touchdowns prop by all three. So Gronk, Ebron, and Jared Cook. Will they combine for over under one and a half receiving touchdowns? Smash the smash the over. Ebron gets it by himself. <laughs> I like how Sean to say receiving touchdowns because we're talking about Eric Ebron here. So. Oh, yeah. The rushing touchdown equity is sneaky. Oh, man. <laughs> I'll take the under here. All right. Last but not least, Vernon Davis at Jacksonville. No Jordan Reed. Over under 43 and a half receiving yards. I think that's a really good line. Uh, I'll, I'll take the over, but I, I, I do like that line. I'll take the over as a, you guys have said, and it makes sense for Johnson to focus more on Davis and not throw outside against Ramsey and Boye all that much. And look, we have seen Vernon a little bit this year. I mean, I guess the Cowboys, he had like a nice 60-yard touchdown. The guy's still got wheels, and he can still kind of make these uh, splash plays we don't see from a lot of tight ends. So uh, he could feasibly get that, you know, yards prop on one or two catches. So I'll take the over. <sighs> I guess I'm taking over too, but I – I don't have as much conviction about you guys. This game could just be really, really ugly. But for Davis should get involved, and I think just from a scheme perspective, he he should be the one that gets more targets than usual. All right. Uh, Ian, what pieces of yours uh, are coming out this week? We got uh, your wide receiver cornerback breakdown probably coming out later today, along with matchup manifesto, looking at pace, explosive plays, run game, pass game, everything, higher-level view for the week. And then, uh, obviously, Sunday night, as always, I'll be back on the pod with Chris Raybon to go over everything that just happened. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of the Action Network NFL Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the pod for all of our upcoming episodes. For Peter Jennings, Sean Corner, and Ian Harditz, I'm Matthew Freeman, Matt F. The Oracle. See you again next episode. 